Alrighty then, welcome to another episode of Celebrity Interviews brought to you by the Firestone High School Class of 72 and in collaboration of our ebook that we call Akron Rocks uh, and also our 50 year commemorative uh, celebration. Yeah, that's right. We've got a 50 year high school reunion. It's hard to believe, but uh, we are having a great time with this and we're, and we're excited today uh, to have Bob Kidney on the line. My name is Daryl and I'm here with my classmate uh, and co-host and extraordinary colleague, the esteemed Steve Schwartz. And uh, again, we're here with Bob Kidney. Bob was the guitarist and co-founder of the Numbers Band. If you're from Akron or been around Akron, uh, you, you're probably familiar with that name. If you've, if you've seen them or not seen them, there's plenty of stuff on YouTube and we're gonna go down the road with Bob here. Uh, Bob released their newest CD in 2020. Uh, they recorded live in the in the studio titled "Endure Outliers on Water Street." Uh, it's a, it's a great piece, and uh, and on February twenty eighth of two thousand twenty, they celebrated their fifty year anniversary at the Kent Stage, performing to a uh, a sold out crowd. But first, let me let me introduce Steve to you, and then uh, and we'll go from there. Steve, it's good to see you. Good to see you too, Daryl and Bob. Again, thank you for joining us. Uh, this has been an interesting experience delving into the numbers band. And I guess where we should start is with the name. Because the name of your band is really 156075. People refer right. to it as the numbers right. band. Have, yes. have, have people been calling the name of your band incorrectly all these years? No, uh... I named the band 156075. It's a very complex reason. We don't need to go into it. Uh, basically, I chose numbers because it was uh, unique. There were no bands with numbers for the name. And uh, there was the MC5, but that was not just numbers. There was a very complex reason why I chose to do that. And uh, basically, the 156075, that combination of numbers, was borrowed from a book by, uh, called The Blues Fell This Morning by an English musicologist named uh, Paul Oliver. And he wrote a lot of uh, books over the years about uh, American music. And it is a combination that was uh, very popular, taken from the Dream Book, uh, which is a book that was that was published so that if you had a dream, there was a number associated with that dream. And you could bet that number on the numbers racket. That was back in the 30s. And so over time, certain combinations of numbers developed certain significance and they represented your mother-in-law or, uh, you know, something you saw on the way to work. Or, but basically, if you had a dream about your mother-in-law, there was a number that you should bet on because of that dream. And, that would, and now uh, the numbers racket, uh, is, uh, that, 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 was a, that was a huge, huge, powerful entity for the poor, but now that you can go and play poker on your phone, it's kind of dropped out of uh, popularity. 
So the bottom line is is that you chose the name 156075 uh, to be a little different. Uh, your approach to music is a little different too. Uh, the numbers band, of course, having been around for decades, uh, there's a lot of, of emotion, a lot of edginess, a lot of honesty in, in your music. Can you give us an idea as to how you approach a musical piece that you're composing? Uh, how does it go from what's inside your head to the keyboard to uh, the guitar strings? Well, first of all, I, I guess I'm a composer. I'm not a songwriter. And I am not a singer-songwriter. I'm a composer. So I use my instrument, my guitar, uh, and I invent ideas on my guitar. They're inventions. That is one way. And if I find something on my guitar that I think uh, is either challenging or exciting, uh, I'll, I may or may not choose to use it. Sometimes they're just ideas. When I find one that really lasts, I will uh, play that and try to unconsciously allow what it is to bring lyrics forward. I found over the years that works really well. Sometimes, like a lot of uh, songwriters, I'll sing um, gibberish because the, com the ideas I use are very complex and they're not easy to sing over. So it's like I have to play the thing and sing over it. So, you know, it's even in this, someone mentioned it, that it's in this new Beatles uh, documentary that uh, John Lennon mentions to uh, George Harrison sing fake words, okay? Uh, mine sounds more like I'm singing in tones or something because they're vocalizations. So that is one way. The other way is if something irritates me or excites me or if there's something I want to express, I'll start with the lyric. And the lyric will bring the music to me. I'm a big admirer of Broadway uh, writers uh, like Rodgers and Hammerstein who received a screen or a stage escape and were told uh, after this scene, the showstopper belongs here. And so they would read the plot, study the dialogue, look at the showscape and write a song to fit there that was the showstopper. That was their ability and I've always thought that was pretty incredible. And so there are also moments in my, in the group where the band will be playing and I'll send to a point, you know, we need this type of a song. We need a new song that does this for the audience. And so I'll write a song like that. They're usually uh, a little easier to write. The ones that are the hardest to write are the ones where I start with the guitar. But I mean, there are no, there was, for me, there was no one way. There was only the work. And there are different ways that I get there, but it's just the work that matters. So that's kind of all I can tell you about that. Well, it, it, 
love that, and uh, thank you for sharing with that. I mean, you you've taken us into a journey of how how you go about your musicality and the influences that you've had. Uh, one of the things, Steve, that you and I talked about were some of the key influences of the local bands and some of the recording stars that were back in that era. Um, you know, and, and I loved your answer on, on the numbers and how you came about that. You know, as a musician myself, I look at 15, 60, 75, and I see a, I see a 15 that goes into 64 times and, uh, and goes into 75, five times. So I, I see a, 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 the, a, the one, four, five progression there. I, I, apparently by your answer really had nothing to do with that, but it's just kind well, of- I, would, I don't mean to interrupt you. No, I was going to go on about that. But that was ironic. Uh, Terry Hind, uh, who was in the, has been with me for 50 years, when he first joined the band, he was at his second performance with me, and we were playing some empty place out in the middle of nowhere, like uh, I don't remember. And he walked up and he said, did you know 15 into 15 goes once, 64, 75 five is one four five is the blues progression. It's also considered to be the universal progression. It's in country music, it's in Spanish music, it's in folk music in many places all over the world. But I had no idea of this. Terry, who is, uh, is, 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 is into puzzles and mathematics and these type of things came up and told me this. And at the time we were almost exclusively a blues band. And I thought that that was very, very telling something. I'm not sure what, but that is, I, I was aware of it. I just didn't, I just didn't get to it. Yeah, well, uh, thank you. I'm glad you picked up on that though, because I guess it's not just me and him. <laughs> no, I, I tell you, it just, for me, it's glaring. Of course, my, you know, my, uh, my mind, uh, you know, what, I love how creative you, you work and it shows in your music, Bob. And so what were some of the uh, influences from the local bands and some of the recording stars back then? Did, did they have anything to do with uh, where you evolved to? No, I, I, was, I was not influenced by the local music. Uh, it, that, that's that's difficult to it's difficult to express. I mean, I have a lot of respect for the people here in the area, but I'm a singular person, and I walked into this as a singular person. I took over a band from a gentleman named Gary Hawk. It was his band. He worked with me when I was seventeen. I began playing in clubs for free. That's how I started as a folk musician. There was a, a, the second big American folk music was underway. And uh, I was enamored by it. I also listened to a lot of other things, but uh, uh, I liked uh, the fact that uh, I could play alone. I didn't need a band. I just needed to play my instrument and perform. And I went around and I worked a, quite a bit by myself. I used to drive to Cleveland to a place called La Cave. Right. And, and I opened for uh, Janice Ian. Right. 
who was on, she was touring under her first song. I don't remember what the title. And I also opened for uh, Linda Ronstadt and the Stone Ponies. They were touring under different drum. I also opened for the Jim Queskin Jug Band, who you're probably not familiar with, but I played there quite a bit. And Gary was a harmonica player and we got to know each other and began working for me. We ended up working at a place in Akron called The Birth. It was owned by Victor Ng. Right. It was over on Johnson Street and I played there a lot. And it, Vic was a huge supporter of what I was doing and what we were doing and it allowed me a place where I could go two or three times a week to develop as a performer. And then I was out of town. I, I went to the service for a short time in Chicago. So by the time I, I got back, I had four years of, of experience as, as, a, as a performer. And when I got back from the service, Gary had a band called uh, Pig Iron. And I played at the old art museum and I opened for them. And then the band invited me to a rehearsal to sit in. And I thought, well, that'd be fun. I could play a little slide and see what it's like to play with the band. And when I got there, Gary had left the band and they had no front man. And they wanted me to be the front man. I really don't know what down, went, went down. <laughs> All I know is he had left the band and he, he did move to Kent and like they said, but I was, they asked me if I could front the band and so that's when I named the band 1560-75, and that was the beginning of it all. Did that answer your question? Yeah, it, it, it did, and it, uh, again, a deeper dive. So oh, I guess what I, what I really mean is, so by the time I stepped on the stage at the Cove and took the Cove over, I took the Cove over with this band in an actual battle of the bands. It was a battle of the bands, not for a guitar with a, with Gibson on it or my name in silver letters, it was a job because the house band Marble Cake was getting the hell out of town after the shootings. And the co was looking for a band so, to, to be the house band. So they invited all these local bands and there was an actual battle of the bands and I, I'll never forget it. I picked up my harmonic and I said, we're going to take this place tonight. And I turned around and started the first song and that's exactly what happened. And we played there for four years. Wow. But when I stepped on that stage, I had four or five years experience as a former performer coming with me. There wasn't any, there wasn't any, uh, there was obviously stage fright because of the situation, but I knew, you know, I had something to bring to the, to the game, you know, and I think, and so I've always, you know, I do what I do. I don't, I don't, I don't have a lot of, uh, I mean, I don't want to start ranting. I'm just saying that I'm an individual that is, that is separate from the rest of this. You, you understand what I mean? Absolutely. All the other bands, there was a blues band in Cleveland, Bill Stress had a blues band. There was another character I know that had a blues band. Everybody else was playing covers. Name a band, they were playing covers. Everybody played covers. They still play covers. There's nothing new about it. And I don't think there's anything wrong with it. It's not what I wanted to do with my life. You see? Uh, I'll I tell you, uh, 
very, very interesting. And thank you again for taking us down there. So, you know, I, you know, I, of all of all of what you bring to the stage, and of course, going back to that uh, that that experience when you you got up there and and you just owned it and left it all there, you know, which is 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 at the heart of of anybody's uh, or a musician or performer's soul. Uh, if there were if there were a, a series of boxes of genres of music: rock, folk, blues, soul, jam band. Um, what, wh where would you place, what would you place what you do in one of those, or would it be all of those boxes? Well, I look at this two ways. This, again, this is, this is, this is what I think. This is what I believe. And, and we're actually in truth, a hundred years from now, we will be seen as American folk music. It is the true American poetry. Why? Okay, why? Because two brothers had a band that played locally and sang songs that applied to their lives and the lives of the people around them. Okay, that's, that's why it's American folk music. It's also eclectic, which is the classic thing about American folk music. It's eclectic. It borrows from Appalachia, it borrows from Africa, it borrows from everything and comes together and you have a music. The, 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 the uh, I don't know, moniker that I've been calling this music since the late 80s, it's only been put in press maybe twice or three times now because I'm forcing it, is country Eastern. Wow. Explain, please. It's, it's country Eastern. Why is it country Eastern? Because if you, if you drive out of Akron away from the rubber plants, Firestone, where are you in Akron? You're in an urban center. Is it New York? I hope not. It's Akron. It's dirty. It's dangerous. It's full of pain like any other industrial city. Where's the next industrial city? Where's the next big city? North to Cleveland. When I was a child, Route 8, north to Cleveland. When you get to Cleveland, it's an immense metropolis full of the same pain and the same workaday life and the same struggle in the steel plants and all of those things, the construction business. That's what I was involved in. This is my life. These are my people, okay? And, but if you drive between those two cities and you leave out of Akron, you go through Cahaga Falls and you head north, pretty soon you're seeing cows. You're seeing farms. Any distance that you drive in any direction out of the city of Akron, you are soon looking at horse farms, barns, pastures, fields, the country. So these two things clash where the Eastern United States comes through Pennsylvania ends up in Ohio. It is the outskirts of the East. The people in the East think we're in Idaho. But we know better. 
we are where the urban pain and the country pain meets. Okay, and my music reflects that. So I have songs like Blue Collar that sound like the inside of a factory that I worked in. I have a song called Lucky, which is about going to Kentucky. I mean, and the the sounds of that music are completely different. And I write songs. My ideal is that every song I write has to be different than the song before. That's my rule, okay? I don't repeat, nor do I have a sound. I create works of art, and each song is a work of art. That's what I do. And over the years, I've discovered that I have a style, and I have things that I use because I have these songs. I have 14 songs, and some of them are all reflect something and something else, but I also have other things. I don't have one style, but I do have styles. You mentioned sound, I'm sorry, but you mentioned sound, and of course that brings to mind uh, the so-called Akron sound. First of all, is there an Akron sound? Is it a real body of work? Tell tell me what you- uh, I'm not involved in it. Okay. But yes, there's an Akron sound and it's valid. Uh, I don't think that it's Akron. It's a, it, to say it's an Akron sound doesn't separate it from everything else that happened in the new wave. Okay. The Akron sound came up out of the culture here in Akron because of the new wave and bands that were reflecting that that style of dress, of attitude, everything. And it wasn't just, it wasn't because it came from New York, but it had to do with that generation and where they were at. And and I was not part of that uh, because uh, I'm more like Thelonious Monk. Contrast on the word, concentrate on the word monk, okay? Uh, I was over with. Our band had been around for 10 years. We had nothing to do with the Akron sound. I wasn't interested. I mean, the other thing, as as I'm older, that I picked on that's very important to me is that these people, you know, they were in their 30s and late 20s. What were they doing? They were building their lives. They were beginning their lives. Just like we all in in that age group, we we start our lives. We start to get serious about who we are and what we're going to do in our lives. Have, get married, have children, improve our jobs, make more money, whatever it is that, you know, I'm not judgmental about these things. These people were building their lives. I wasn't, I wasn't building my life, okay? I was satisfied. I was doing what I do. And what I do is an artist. And an artist, you know, is like a calling. It's like being a priest or being a veterinarian, you know, or being a surgeon or being any of one of those things. It's a calling. Sure, there's plenty of surgeons out there that earn it so they can drive 
five BMWs and they're looking to do that. I understand all that. That's 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 what it's like being in America. But but what I'm saying is it's a calling in that sense. Okay. All right. That isn't what other people do with their lives. And I don't have a problem with it. What I do have a problem with is when they come to me about it and ask me, why aren't you like this? Wow. There's something wrong. Okay. Well, you know, I, uh, Bob, uh, Steve and I have been, um, you know, in these interviews, which have been Akron centric uh, for this project, you know, we've, we've delved into this question with just about everybody from classical pianists to Diane Adams, uh, to uh, Diana Adams, to several of the other interviews about this Akron sound. And I don't think anyone has articulated it better than what you just did for us. Well, let me go on. Uh, well, I, but we'd be happy to. I mean, there's some great stuff that we want to get with, to you. And, oh. But, I, but I, I think that where, where you started this in terms of the industrialization, we've tried to figure this out. You know, was it just something as simple as something was in the water? But I have a feeling it had to do with the industrial age and the time and the moment and the pain that you articulated. And please do continue. Oh, I'm just, I, what I was going to say is, that this group of, of men and women who developed music and their bands also uh, understood promotion and uh, knew how to promote what they wanted to do. And, and it was mainly a form of American popular culture. And so Jerry Casale from, from uh, DeVoe, who I knew long before either one of us had a band, and his, the other person, Robert Lewis, who those, those two, I mean, they could argue with it all they want. I'm here, I'm speaking, so they can come argue with me. They formed the artistic uh, force to bring uh, DeVoe about, okay? And, but, but they were driven to make something happen for themselves. These bands were driven to make something happen. And that's why, and, and they were all here and, and they reflected and there was a, a huge amount of people here that supported it. So there is an Akron sound. There is an All Akron right. sound, most definitely. For that Akron sound, you had to play at different venues, of course. Uh, you know, that you say you weren't part of the Akron sound. You kind of were in on the foundational platform on which the Akron sound came later. But what were some of the venues that you played at locally? And... Were there any favorites of yours, uh, any particular venues that you decided, I don't want to set foot in this place again? Uh, I'm sure the stories go from A to Z there. Well, I mean, we, we, we didn't have anywhere to play. You know, I mean, if we went out to play somewhere, we would play to no one. And we did that a lot. 
And uh, uh, we played the Cove. We played the Cove four nights a week, week after week after week until it burned to the ground. Okay. Then we moved to JB's and played there four nights a week, week after week after week, till the Cove burned a second time and burned JB's roof off. Then we move up the street and we built a stage in another club and played the next night on wet paint four nights a week, week after week after week until it was closed by the health department. Then we moved down at the end of the street. So, I mean, we go to places. I mean, I played up in Cleveland. We played a, a, a place up in Cleveland, um, the Pirates Cove, and then it became Peabody's Down Under. We played a lot of places up there. and We did some okay business, but, you know, we don't do okay business. These people are coming up to me. Why don't you play something by Bob Seeger? Why don't you play this? Why don't you play the Rolling Stones? Why don't you do this? Why don't you do that? And I said, because if you, if you need to hear that music, you should probably go and get in your car and turn the radio on because I do not do impressions. And that is what we were dealing with. And I could... There's no point in me telling you all the places where I didn't enjoy playing. I like the Cove. I like where we're working now. The Venice, I love Jilly's downtown. It's a great place. She's wonderful. Now that I'm 74 years old, I don't get it anymore. I mean, we, you know, we weren't in the Akron Sound, but now they say we were because what we did was we proved to people that you could do your own music the way you wanted to do it and draw a crowd and they would come, a, a large crowd, and you make a few bucks, but you're doing what you believe in. You're not doing what somebody else wants. Now, I don't, again, I am not an elitist and I am not judgmental. People should do with their lives as they choose. But we proved that. And I think I hear, okay, that that was inspiring to some of these bands. I, I don't know. But I mean, that's our connection to the Akron sound is we encourage people to, well, they're doing it and getting away with it. Why can't we do it and get away with it? Are there any local musicians, uh, Akron, Kent, uh, from that standpoint that you think you've had an influence on over time? I'm sorry? Have you had an influence, do you think, on other musicians in the Akron-Kent area? I wouldn't make a statement like that. I wouldn't even okay. answer that question. And I respect that. I respect that. Where do you go? Where does the numbers band go from here? I mean, how many bands do you know of that have been around this long, continuing to perform? Uh, what's up for the, for the numbers band from here on out? Well, I'm not arrogant enough to think that there aren't other bands that are 50 years old in this country that you've never heard of or play. And, and we are not millionaires and we are not pampered, okay? We, we all have worked for a living. We've never made any money playing music. And so now <laughs> we've, we're mostly retired. And uh, we will continue to do what we do until it's over. And that's the way forward. I'm already working 
I'm working at this point, I'm working on a lyric book. And I've also uh, have nine new songs. I've been, I've invented something on the, on my instrument through a digital delay that I'm, I'm very excited about, especially to be able to come up with something I know is somewhat unique at 74. So there's plenty going on. And we're, we're, we're playing the art museum this year, just like we always do. We're working at Jilly's and we're working at the Venice and we'll be up at the Beachland, and we're going to be doing the things we're doing. And you know, where it ends, I don't know. Where it ends, it ends where it ends. But you know, I don't stop until somebody shoots me. I, don't, I shouldn't say that. <laughs> that would be one way. But I mean, what I mean is, what I mean is, uh, yes, it's all going to end. It's well, going to end. And, and when it ends, it ends. But you won't find me on a microphone complaining about what happened to my career because I never had one. I, I'm just an artist. And when the music is done, I'll be doing something else. I'm, 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 I'm obsessed with this. I will continue creating. That's what I do. And, uh, you know, thank God for it. And uh, I I'll tell you, though, uh, you're, uh, uh, you, you are a creative mind, Bob, that has Im just impacted so many people. You're a humble man. Your, your Wikipedia alone um, speaks volumes. Your discography is uh, for someone that uh, self-proclaimed without a career. Uh, you have done so much, and I'm certain that you've influenced many, many people, and I so, so appreciate your, humil your humility, but I, I want you to know that uh, there, are, there are many people uh, that I, I'm certain that have been uh, influenced, uh, touched, uh, impacted by you, your creativity. It's, it's an art form that that, uh, that I think speaks volumes, not only for you, but for, for the area that you came from. And, and, and if, if you were to put into words how you would like to be remembered, uh, I, I'd love, I think our listeners would really enjoy uh, your take on that. How I'd like to be remembered? I have no idea. I have a favorite expression. Uh, ask me another question. Ask me what my definition of success is. Uh, well, I'd, I'd be interested in that, and uh, I, I think you've uh, you, you've you've kind of led us into that. But I, I can tell you that. Uh, ask me what my definition of success is. Ask it. <laughs> Let me know what your definition of success is, Bob. To die with a clear conscience. Excellent. Yeah, that, that's that's well said. That's my goal. Yeah, <laughs> and should be. You know what I mean? And should be all of ours. And uh, very good. That's a that's a a, a life well led, and well lived. Uh, you know, I, I it's hard for me to put into words my thanks uh, today, Stephen. If you've got any further thoughts for Bob or uh, Bob, if you'd like to. Uh, uh, take us down uh, the, the, a road that we haven't been down over this last uh, uh, half hour, 45 minutes. Uh, it's all yours. What you have to say, Steve, 
Well, I, I'm just grateful that we had this chance to sit down and talk about uh, 156075, the numbers band, and your approach to life and music and uh, uh, composing. Uh, I won't say songwriting. Uh, this is. <laughs> This has been this has been very educational, and we certainly want to thank you for joining us. And uh, folks who live in the Akron, Kent, Cleveland area, keep your eyes open for uh, where this band is going to be performed because they are an absolute amazing uh, entity to uh, to take in. And uh, Bob, again, we we thank you so much. Yeah, a heartfelt thanks, Bob, and for all the great memories and to take us down this road of the numbers band. Uh, it, it's just been a real slice for us and, uh, and your time has been valuable for us and, and we just uh, appreciate how, how grace, uh, gracious you were with it. it. You know, so to our listeners, if you're listening to this podcast prior to the 50 year reunion in September of uh, 2020, uh, 22. Click on and check out some of the other installments of uh, celebrity interviews like uh, Pat Carney of Black Keys, Pat's father, Jim Carney, Susan Schmidt Horning from the Poor Girls, our own the 1976 graduate, world-class concert pianist, Jeff Gillum. Uh, we've got rock and roll historian, Deanna Adams, and uh, our ebook is going to be coming out and uh, you'll be able to, to, to get on that. We hope to see you. Uh, at the at the 50 year uh, celebration and Bob you're invited and let us know if uh, you would like to come and 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 meet some of those uh, uh, those fans from from 1972 that uh, uh, where, where we all got our our first take of, of Akron and Akron music I had no idea uh, the journeys that we would be taking uh, in, in our lives but um, thank you for being part of it Bob. Well, you're more than welcome, my monarch, if you would be interested in what I have to do. Uh, very, uh, very interested, and I know our listeners will too. So that's another wrap. Thank you so much again, Bob, for your time. Steve, good to see you guys. Uh, we're all coming from different locations around the country. Godspeed. Be safe. We'll see you next time.